Trailers for sale or rent Rooms to let 50 cents No phone, no pool, no pets Ain't got no cigarettes ah, But two hours of pushing broom buys And eight, twelve, four bedroom I'm a man of means by no means King of the road Heartbreak in the Bronx for the Toronto Blue Jays. Hello and welcome to episode 199 of section 138. And, uh, geez, I mean, it could not go any worse for the Blue Jays. Um, we have a Tuesday game where the Blue Jays are up 3-0. and And then they give up a game-tying home run that is the shortest home run of Giancarlo Stanton's career. And then... All chaos breaks loose. The umpires take control of the game. The Blue Jays take the lead. And then Jordan Romano coughs it up with some inexcusable pitch choices at that point in time. And then today, on Wednesday as we record this, the Blue Jays collapse again. They score a run in the first inning. Can't get anything else going. And they drop two in a row to the Yankees. That's four in a row. That's seven of their last nine. And they are now only two games over 500. We could see them fall below 500 after this series against the Tampa Bay Rays if the cards fall the way they look like they are right now. Bryson, Jacob, dare I ask how you are? Well, I'll just say this. Uh, my camera's back. Jacob's back. But the only thing that's not back is the Blue Jays winning games. You went over it. Uh, this is a rough rough week this is definitely the darkest point of the season you mentioned it four in a row six I know some people may find it too early to look at the standings but just to say it six games back of the Yankees right now who are red hot and pretty much destroyed you for two straight weeks now it's um it's been a rough uh, couple of weeks here and um, unfortunately there's still not really an end in sight when it comes to the biggest issue on this team and it continues to be the same story every single time you hate to sound like a broken record but it is the truth it is runners in scoring position, and I'm sure we're gonna have to have plenty of that to or plenty to say about that uh, this episode. Oh yeah, and as we talk about the Blue Jays falling behind, uh, just to give some context, 15 days ago they were alone in first place in the AL East. Today, after this series against New York, they trail the Yankees by six games. The mighty have fallen, and things have changed in a heartbeat. Jacob, how are you? I'm going to put, get this out of the way right now because I don't want to talk about this for the rest of the podcast, but if there had to be a Toronto team collapsing right now, I'm glad it's a one the team that's uh, at the very beginning of their regular season. But Always with the lead. Definitely a little, little bit surprising. I know April was so good. It was against good teams. They're winning. And I hate to be the guy that says this, but I kind of had a feeling this would happen. Like Eventually, the one-run games and the lack of offense, it's going to catch up to you kind of has caught up to you hey you know what may's not even halfway over yet at least uh at least there is time to turn things around and hell tampa bay just uh it didn't do too well uh over this last couple or these last couple days as well i mean they got no hit i think it was just yesterday night so maybe it's a bit of a turnaround we'll see we can hope but definitely a, a little bit of a weird turnaround especially after how good april was let me get this out of the way at the top. Bottom line, the Blue Jays are not in trouble. I'll put it that way. 
Um, I know a lot of people love to overreact. The Blue Jays aren't in trouble. This is kind of the natural progression of a season, and the fact that they put up such a good April is allowing them to have this kind of down month. And yes, you know, every fan is going to say every single game's mat every single game matters, and it does. And every single game influences the position the Blue Jays are in at the end of the season, which it does. But the Blue Jays built up a buffer in the month of April that allows them to have this slack now and allows them to still be over 500 despite losing seven of nine games. So, yes, this is a bad position to be in. Yes, if we could choose any other path for the Blue Jays to take to what we hope will be a playoff berth, we would. We wouldn't choose the Blue Jays to go two and seven in their last nine games, but. Bottom line, it's not the end of the world. So there's a lot other stuff we're going to talk about in this episode. A lot of frustration with the Blue Jays, with the Yankees, with the umpires, with everything that's going on. But bottom line, I just want to make it clear. This is not the end of the road. This is not disaster. It is incredibly frustrating, but we're not at the end of the road yet. Things will bounce back. I'm confident of that. And now we can dive into all the negative stuff. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely like... It's, I, I like what you mentioned there, how the Blue Jays kind of gave themselves a buffer. And I do, like, I, I agree with it, but I also hate that I agree with it because ideally you want to win every game. And if you're going to win 85 to 95 games, what did, I think what we all were 95 and above our predictions. Like, you have to be good consistently. Like, unless you want to be, like, like, uh, like top tier good, then, like, kind of like a roller coaster. You have your highs, your lows, and it's just consistently those highs and lows. I hope that's not the case because, I mean, you can't have your highs and lows in a playoff series when you only have maybe five or seven games maximum to play. But it's just a, it's just not a good look, I don't think. And and what I said a couple of minutes ago kind of has caught up to the Blue Jays is their lack of offense is not resulting in winning games. Easily could have split the series with the Yankees. I mean, heck, you scored five runs in the first game, or excuse me, in the second game, and uh, or actually, in in the first game was when Romano blew it. Uh, for that, that's a winnable game. You know, you, you do get offense in that game, but it doesn't result in a win. Or then even today, you score three runs. If this was April, maybe it would have been a three-two or a three-one win. But that's not even sustainable. I think out of over the course of any season or over over the course of a playoffs uh, playoff run. But things it's only one thing really like we can talk about how oh you know Jimmy Garcia blew the game or Jordan Romano blew the game or Jose Brios had a bad start but they're only like those things are magnified because of how little the offense is performing you fix the offense I yes ideally you don't have five runs charged to your starter but you fix the offense you get guys going Teoscar Hernandez I think he only has a single hit since coming back the IL if I'm not mistaken unless he had a hit later in today's game but you fix this, and that will work around to result in wins. You know, you're not going to say relievers, you cannot allow a hit, or you not cannot allow a run. Like you, you give them that buffer within the game. I just hope that that buffer comes, you know, very very soon. I mean, you have you're going to the Tropicana Field, which I mean, I don't think any Blue Jay fan really wants to see that place, regardless of how the team's been playing. But at least you know you have Kevin Gosman opening that series. Uh, looks like Hyunjin Ryu is uh, just looking at the uh, the score, that app. Yeah, he's scheduled for Game 2. Do They do not have anyone for Game 3, but Kevin Gosman, we know what he can do. It's a 
little bit more of a coin flip for the rest of the series. But yeah, your offense, it needs to get a lot better. And not even just better, like in general, just better when it counts. Because like you can slap singles all you want, but if there's nobody on base, there's only so much that does. And when there are guys on base and you have the bases loaded and nobody out, like they did in today's game in the first inning, you can't come away with only one run. It's just, it's not... Like, if you're given that opportunity, you need to take advantage of it, regardless of how good your offense has been. Whether it's that, like, 40-run series against the Orioles last year or any time right now. Like, you need to take advantage of these opportunities. And if they don't, it could be a uh, a less-than-entertaining month of uh, or rest of the month of May. You know, you come into New York. Um, I kind of said it throw it to you guys the last couple episodes you have a chance to get back at them for what happened last week you have a chance to get the make those games up and they didn't do that they they came out flat again or it wasn't even game two was more flat than i should say game one because game one they had it and they should have won that game most likely you were talking about um john carlos Stanton's shortest home run at yankee stadium i think the stat cast on that it was either only a home run at Yankee Stadium, or it might have been a home run at somewhere else. But either way, that's two ballparks out of 30 at at most that'll take a home run like that. There, There's a factor there because those are obviously three runs, or sorry, a run uh, that you're not going to allow in a different circumstance. And then that kind of just changed the entire outcome of the game. So I think, you know, both games were definitely frustrating. There was a lot going on in game one. You were talking about the umpire's mark when you were kind of introducing it. That's one issue. Uh, the other issue is just the fact that the Jays fell fell apart late. Um, and I think the problem with that, and I think the one thing also that kind of frustrates me a lot about that, is the start that you get from Yusei Kikuchi once again. That's two straight starts now. Yusei Kikuchi has had a quality start. You know, in ter- Not in terms of length, because he's getting to around five innings, but he's been pretty good with this stuff. And this is a game where, notably, the baseballs were kind of, again... Not exactly up to up to par in terms of their standards. We saw Yusei kind of licking his fingers a lot, pretty much every single, or after I should say, after every single pitch. And it, clearly, he was struggling with in terms of gripping the ball. But he really made um, a good outing out of it. I mean, he allows two hits over five innings, like I mentioned early on. Two earned runs, three walks. He strikes out seven. So this is a good start from Kukuchi. And you're going into the later innings. You know, you have the lead, and uh, we know what happens in the ninth inning. Mark, you said it in our group chat as to keep it as clean as possible. You're basically saying this is one of the main factors that happens when Jordan Romano, your closer, sits for a week, and that's exactly what happened. He came on in one of his first games in a while. Um, There's a lot going on in his appearance. First of all, his command was struggling. His velocity was really down. I don't know if I'm sure you guys noticed that too. I think his fastball at certain times was only at like 94 you know, for somebody who has a two-pitch repertoire like he does, struggling with his breaking ball too, you know, you can see the build-up to disaster waiting to happen when you walk the first guy or, you know, you allow another base runner and then you see Aaron Judge on deck. You don't like you don't like it in terms of what's going to happen in the future, what the possible outcome is, and he leaves a sliding breaking, or sorry, a breaking ball right over the plate. He leaves one hanging to Aaron Judge, takes it over the fence, and that's the game on that one. And that was another opportunity that I think that the Jays could have won. And this is the other problem, is that the runners in scoring position, it's the same issue. There's nothing that's changed. But the one thing that I think is frustrating, and this also translates into today's game, is that they get ahead early, but then after they get ahead early, that's it. They shut down. That is it. I think both games today, or I should say both games in this series, they score runs in the first couple of innings, 
first inning at least in, to ter- in terms to start, and that's it. You get nothing else right now. The offense continues to struggle. We are seeing the exact same issues. I don't think I really need to go over it in terms of the runners that they left on base because everyone knows that the runners that they left on base today was high once again. And you're getting an, and today in game two, you're getting a start from Jose Barrios, who's coming off a rough outing in Cleveland. I think his pitching line doesn't exactly reflect of how truly he did pitch because he seemed to be a lot better today, and he allowed a couple of runs based off of inherited runs that was taken on by Trevor Richards. So those are kind of a couple runs that where he allowed the base runners, but he wasn't entirely responsible for them coming around to score. So that's the other kind of frustrating part that I have with that one. But it's just it's the same thing is that when this team falls behind, you have no faith whatsoever that they're going to come back. And I think that you saw the same thing that happened in game one, even though that was a walk off. It was kind of more, I guess, of an example in game two because the Jays had the early lead once again. But when you lose it in the middle innings, when Glaber Torres hits that three run home run, you just going forward for the rest of the game, you know it's not going to go well in terms of catching up, in terms of their hopes of catching up, anything like that. So I don't know what it is. Um, we've been saying that for the past couple of months. There's just we think we we thought Mark we discussed this. We thought we saw signs, some early glimpses, nowhere near the end of the tunnel, I should say, but some early glimpses of them starting to kind of come around when they had runners on because there was a couple situations in Cleveland, or was that there was the one game in particular that they won where they capitalized on that, and then the other three games that they played, you saw nothing. And I'm Jacob. I'm sure you can attest to the same thing from what you saw, and that's the problem right now. And there's a lot of conversations going on. I guess I'll end it off by asking you guys again. The one thing that has pretty much be the the one thing that's kind of coming up again in terms of I guess social media and everything, and it seems to be the common question right now is that I'll ask you guys again because I've asked you guys before. Maybe your answers changed. I guess Jacob, you'll be the first one to answer. Is is it time to change the order again of the lineup? Is it time to do something? I don't know if you guys, in your terms of your opinion, is agreed. But I know it's something that's coming up a long time, or it's been coming up a lot over the past couple of days. And I should say today, the most part, to close off another series loss. So it's just the same story. I mean, you want to talk about this last two games, runners in scoring position, not there. The starting pitching has been carrying you the entire season. You've had some pretty good starts, as much as Barrios's line didn't look, doesn't look exactly great on paper. You still have some really good starts, and I'm even referring to Yusei Kuchi from game one. And you fall behind late and you lose the game. And this is really the reason why the Jays are losing games. And it's no secret to anybody else. You're still 30th with runners in scoring position. And nothing has really changed. You have a lot of guys that are cold right now. Really, besides George Springer, Bo Bichette, who's been on a tear this month. You can even throw Santiago Espinal in there. Those are three guys right now that you're really confident with at the plate. Vladdy's slumping. Teoscar Hernandez is still getting his feet wet. We know he's still kind of working his way back from injury. The other guys aren't hitting right now. And I think another guy that has really disappeared and a guy that's fallen, and we've been raving about this guy throughout the entire month of April, is Lourdes Gurriel Jr. He's another guy that's gone missing at the plate. It's not exactly an ideal situation right now when you have only two guys at the top of the order that are hitting the ball really well, and then you have a guy at the bottom of the order like Espinal, who is somebody that's also been very reliable. Other than that, you don't know what you're getting, and pretty much what we've been getting in terms of success is nothing. I mean, the, the numbers have been dipping, and it just continues to be an ugly scene in terms of this offense. I'm going to be honest. I said this maybe two or three series ago. I said that you need to change the offense if necessary. It's necessary right now. You, you mentioned pretty much everyone's struggling. Matt Chapman, another guy, I think I mentioned him. I might have mentioned him on air. I know I mentioned him off air. He's a guy that's hit second for Oakland a lot. 
I don't see why you don't change him now or move him up in the order. Now, obviously, this was when Bobichet was slumping, but maybe you you put him four third, and then you move Guerrero and Hernandez down. I don't. I'm not sure. I'm just putting stuff out there. It's not basically what I'm saying is it's not unreasonable to at least entertain these conversations because 30th and runners in scoring position like if they were 20th or 25th I could say okay at least they're okay ish or if they were among the top half I could say okay well it's not that bad but like you're the worst in baseball when runners are in scoring position and you're you're not scoring runs you've won a lot of games this season so far but the the vast vast majority of them came from the first like four or five weeks of the season and it's it's I'm not saying it's time to hit the panic button and call up prospects and make trades absolutely not like you have on paper one of the best rosters in baseball work with what you got change things up a little bit you you at least now have Teoscar Hernandez back so it's not like we can say when he comes back he's back but if things aren't necessarily clicking I don't see why you don't I'm not going to say make ridiculous changes but why you don't make any type of change that might seem a little odd at first but give it a shot because it's it's clearly it's not working now the the offense really hasn't been good all season at all they just have kind of gotten away with it early on in the season but now that you're not getting away with it and it's not just a one-off or a one series like you're you're consistently starting to lose games I don't I I really don't see an argument uh, against keeping the lineup the way it is Sure, if you want to change the lineup, go ahead. I just don't know if it solves anything for the Blue Jays. I I just don't know what it does. Like, I understand the allure of thinking something is wrong and trying to fix it somehow. And I understand the fact that, yeah, you might get better offensive production if you move Vladdy into the number two spot. Yeah, you might be able to get some other guys going like Lourdes Goriel Jr. if you move him to a different spot in the lineup. I understand that that's a possibility and that could happen, but I really don't see it happening and I don't see it solving anything for the Blue Jays. To me, this is a problem with approach and it's as simple as that. And I'm not a baseball coach, so I'm not going to tell the Blue Jays how to solve that problem, but I think it's pretty obvious. The numbers with runners in scoring position are among the worst in baseball. Today, they left nine guys on. They were 0 for 9 with runners in scoring position. That can't happen when you're trying to win a pennant, or when you're even trying to compete in the ALEs, let alone a pennant. If you're trying to beat the New York Yankees, you cannot go 0 and 9 with runners in scoring position. Um, And to me, that's all you need to know. It's the fact that the Blue Jays aren't hitting with runners in scoring position. Something has to change. And, um, you know, we can kind of question what happened, what changed between the month of April and the month of May. And um, I think the biggest change that you'll notice is in bullpen performance. You look at the splits, the bullpen in the month of April had a 3.8 ERA in uh, 87 innings of work the month of May, the bullpen had a 5.9 ERA in 29 innings of work. So to me, that's the biggest difference comparing, you know, starter ERA has gone up by a hair. It's gone up from 3.7 to 3.9. Not a significant difference. That's not what makes a difference between going 14 and 8 and going in 2 and 7. Um, and, you know, kind of the same thing with the offense, although not to the same degree. OPS in the month of April, 724. OPS in the month of May, 611. So a little bit of tick down there and obviously the huge tick up in the in the bullpen performance. And 
To me, that's what it boils down to. I don't think shaking up the lineup fixes that problem. And I, I I don't know. I just don't see it as a solution. I know it's incredibly frustrating to watch. And we've spoken about this week in and week out. And every single time we come back here and we ask ourselves, what's it going to take to get the offense going? I don't think it's a lineup shakeup. I don't know what it is, but I don't think it's a lineup shakeup. I guess it can't hurt. But at this point, I don't think that's a solution. See, I don't know if it's like a definite solution. I just think it's worth a shot. Like, who knows? Maybe it doesn't work and maybe I'm completely wrong. Yeah, like that's really the only thing that I can say is it's like what's working or what you have now is not working. I don't see why you don't at least try and shake it up and just see if that starts something. Now, I guess the counter argument against that is, well, how long do you change the lineup for? Like if, uh, is there an off day tomorrow? I don't, yeah. So there's an off day tomorrow on, uh, on Thursday. So Friday's game, if you change it up and they lose four to two or something like that, do you say, oh, well, lineup, you know, that change didn't work or do you wait that series or a week or something? Like that's the only thing that's a little bit tough when it comes to lineup shakeups. It's have you given that lineup enough time to really, let that shake up take effect but i don't know i think it's at least worth a shot maybe it doesn't work maybe it minimally improves the offense but when you're dead last and with runners in scoring position i think really anything could could be worth a shot yeah i'm with jacob on this one i think something's got to give um it's not going to be an an indefinite solution it's going to be it's not going to be the reason for something changing but you know, you can only sit back and watch the same thing for so long. Like, I think you got to work at it, and I think you got to try and find ways to get out of this. It's not going to be, again, it's not a clear path out of it, but you got to show that you're trying to, you're, you're, tr- you got to try things, new things. Like, when something's not working, you fix it, and that, that's, and that's, that goes with everyday life. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., you're not comfortable hitting second. Maybe you need to hit second right now. Bo Bichette. They have the luxury now because Bobochet's starting to hit the ball really well. He's another guy that had a really good day today at the plate. Opposite field singles here and there. He's been we all know May's been his month, even going back to the end of April. You can maybe afford to move him down now into the lineup. He was very comfortable at cleanup. Mark, you said it too a couple weeks ago that you are com- or you like Bobochet hitting cleanup. Teoscar Hernandez, maybe you move him to three. I think you have other options here and you have options that you can kind of try and maybe entertain. Again, it's not your you do it everything's fixed but I think you got to try and show signs here that you know you got to try and work through this Charlie Montoya you got two off days this week they haven't had off days all season so far you finally have two off days in a week think about it I mean you really got to think about it I know it's early in the season I know that I know a lot of people are saying that but of course there's also the argument that people love making is that the Jays missed out by one game blah 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 the point is is that these divisional games are important and you can't be losing every single series to a team like the New York Yankees, as much as they've been red hot, they have been the best team in baseball over the uh, the course of the past couple of weeks. Them and the New York Mets in their respective leagues, okay. But the the New York Yankees are still a team that the J- or the Jays are still a team that coming into this year was expected to be better than the Yankees. The the Jays are expected to win the AL East, but something's got to give at this point. A lot of things can happen. I think at the end of the year, we're all going to kind of look back at the stark time and kind of laugh it off, which is probably going to happen because it just seems almost impossible to predict that this is something that's going to last the entire way. But you still should try and entertain the idea of getting yourself out of this. My opinion on it's changed because at first I wasn't exactly sold on it, but... 
here we are another couple weeks later and nothing is given. Like there's been no signs of movement. We, we saw it. We thought we did. And then it kind of reverts back to what we've been seeing all year this week against the Yankees. You have a tough weekend coming up. We know what Tropicana Field does to the Jays in terms of just the house of horrors. I mean, we don't have to go over that. We know that they have a tough time winning games against the Rays in Tropicana Field. It's an important three games. Mark, you said it right off the top. The Jays could possibly be under 500 going into next week if things really go bad uh, this weekend. That's obviously the last case scenario, the worst case scenario. We don't expect it to be that way. But it's not impossible to go that way. It's just, why not? Why not think about it? Why not maybe try it out? Try and do it while not panicking your clubhouse. Talk to your players. I don't know. I mean, Charlie Montoyo is a guy that is a player's manager. He talks to his team a lot. We know this. I I don't see the harm that it does that you at least attempt it. Why not? Because you're only going so far here where you keep looking on and seeing the same result. And that I think that's the frustrating part for all fans. And I think, obviously, that has a lot to do with it. But the results are there. I mean, 30th in the league in runners in score position, that means you're worse than the Cincinnati Reds. And we know how bad of a team they are. You're worse than the Orioles. You're worse than the Diamondbacks. These are all teams that like you should be levels ahead of in terms of certain categories. And in terms of runners in scoring position, that just hasn't been the case. So I don't know... I don't, I, I don't know how serious it's going to be. Maybe we see the same lineup on Friday. I would still kind of think if I had to choose between the two, you still see the same lineup on Friday. But I think we're getting closer to the point, and it's what Jacob was saying, is that you have to try and at least entertain the idea of maybe thinking about it. Maybe head to that direction a little bit. Or maybe just at some point this weekend the bats come alive and you know you don't have to do it. But I just think you're crazy if you completely rule out the idea that it's a good thing or you have to... You know, you just, I think you should just at least try and consider the idea. So, when do you make the move? If you do change up the lineup, when is it? I would do it Friday. Exactly. Or, well, it depends on how big of a shakeup it is. Like, maybe you just put, like, say I mentioned Matt Chapman. Maybe, say you put him second and then Bichette third. Maybe that's all it is. And you do that, then like Friday is perfect. But if you're thinking like a massive, massive shakeup, which even then, like, there's only so much you can do, but. If you're thinking that, then throughout the series, I, I would say. To me, the only way I could get behind a change like this is if you wait to, I think, at least the start of the series against Seattle until after the series against the Rays. Because to me, you just already had a big shakeup, and that's Teoscar Hernandez coming back. Like, let's not forget, we are four games into the return of Teoscar Hernandez. He played the final two games of the Cleveland series, and now this series. That's nothing. I mean, the guy was out for three weeks. He didn't swing a baseball bat for two weeks. He's still working his way back. And to me, that is the big shakeup that has been made in the past week. And we're still waiting to see the results of that. But we can't change the lineup right away. They haven't given it enough time to see what Teoscar can do. And to me, they need to give it longer. I I know it sounds weird to say that given how much struggles the Blue Jays have had and how much they've been unable to hit with runners in scoring position all season, but especially these last two weeks. But to me, the big shakeup was Teoscar Hernandez coming back, and it's only been four games since then. So you got to give it longer. you got to give him time to settle in. Um, the rest of the lineup to settle into him being there. I think you give it to the end of the Rays series, and then sure, yeah, I'm on board. If the offense still isn't clicking... You have nothing to lose at that point. And I think, like, yeah, the argument about 
setting panic off in the clubhouse is a potentially valid one. But right now, like, I don't think the offense or the clubhouse can be in an any worse position than it is right now. <laughs> you know, after going two and seven and being unable to score more than two runs, it seems like in every single game, I'm pretty sure the offense is just as desperate as the front office is right now and they are looking for a change so I'm not concerned about the panic it sets in I just think you already had your big shakeup with Teoscar Hernandez coming back give it three days give it three games until Sunday until after this series against the Rays if that doesn't work sure change it up see what happens you have nothing to lose at that point but to me you gotta wait until then and even then I'm not gonna be out there picketing for this change. I still think it's kind of hogwash, kind of, I don't know what the right word is, just things behind the scenes that don't really actually matter on the baseball field. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is, bottom line. But I don't think it's changing the lineup. But even if it is, wait three more days. That's honestly, you know what? You bring up a good point with the the Teoscar Hernandez stuff because that's true. That's the 30, 40 home runs that you missed out or not missed out on in three weeks, but that's a guy that can hit 30, 40 home runs that you missed out on. Obviously, it's going to take him some time <clears throat> to get things going. He did obviously miss a lot of time. It's a fair criticism. I think if there is any shakeup in this series against the Rays, whether it's Friday's game or <clears throat> at all throughout the weekend, it'll be like a, one guy gets switched or you know maybe you, you swap... You you move up Chapman just to see if you can get him going or something like that. But it's a good point. I mean, I guess the one argument against doing it this series, whether it's like a minor move or a big shakeup, is that you are against an AL East opponent. And if you lose an AL East series, not only is your record not or going to be less or get worse, but part of your division will then get better. And that's another team that you're going to be chasing just a little bit more. Whereas if it's Seattle, yes, you t- I don't you, you lose two or three of that of those games, still gonna hurt you. But it's not like your division is getting better because of it. I just think it's worth a shot to take any type of movement, whether it's very small, whether you move one player up and then another player down. I think it's worth a shot, and I think we're all kind of scrambling for answers because the team has gone from first in the AL East to just barely holding on to that third spot. I think they're at now, but so it's you don't want to make it sound like it's panic time but it's it's like pre-panic if that makes any sense like you the last thing you want to do is let this go on for the rest of may and we've seen it time and time again like i know these are completely different eras of blue jays but like back in 2014 almost a playoff team except for that one awful april or that awful august we've seen it you know the blue jays were not good not great for the first half of 2021 ended up hurting them like you don't want this streak of 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 struggling to really in the end be one of the reasons why you potentially miss out on the playoffs and i'm not saying it will like obviously if the team once it clicks it it's fair to say this is a juggernaut but right now when the team is not clicking it's not doing what it needs to do i think it's fair to at least to make some type of movement yeah and just to make it clear is that we still aren't at that panic stage so no, you know very pretty much what is exactly and right now you're just kind of at the frustration point, and it just goes back to how good of a team we know that they can be 
when everything kind of clicks. And I think that's the problem, and that's obviously what's holding them back right now. And for me, I just, uh, for what Jacob, you, I guess both of us were saying about Friday, is that it's just that I don't really know what else like you have to see. Like This is a team, the Tampa Bay Rays, who pitch well against the Jays. So either way, I'm fine. If, if it lasts throughout the weekend, worst case, and it goes on to next week before you make that move, I'm fine with it. I just think that we're getting closer and closer to the point where it it should be discussed, and if it happens throughout the weekend and nothing changes, then at least you know for sure. But if it, you know, whatever, I'm fine with whatever happens throughout the week. Ideally for me, though, it would be that Friday. And you know, I thought I'd, another good point that you brought up, uh, I I think it was you, Mark, is that you were talking about the bullpen as well, and it hasn't been smooth sailing, um, like it has been, I guess, when it was in April. You know, a couple guys here and there aren't having the greatest appearances. We know Adam Simber kind of has had a couple shaky ones. Trevor Richards has had a couple shaky ones. Tim Mesa had a couple hiccups in Cleveland. So this is kind of something that we haven't seen throughout the month of April. And I think maybe, you know, I don't know. I don't want to say the bullpen over exceeded, but I'm just saying is that this is something that's very noticeable um, as we head into the month of May. And I really, really want to know, or I do wonder what was going on with Jordan Romano um, on game one, because you were ta- we were talking about it a week off. Maybe that's the reason why, but the velocity was way down. Like 94 is not compared to 98, 99, like he usually throws. His stuff was not there, and that's essentially one of the reasons for the meltdown, um, what happened in game one. And Mark, it goes back to what we were saying too a couple days ago, is that it's just it's so noticeable because of how much the offense isn't performing and for the bullpen maybe it's catching up to them that they're always coming in when it's one run I don't know if it's a a mind game with them I don't know if they're fatigued I don't know what it is but I'm not really concerned with them right now either I just think it's maybe a little bit of a hiccup the bullpen's going to be getting reinforcements we know that Jacob you mentioned off the top is that Hunjin Ryu it will be back on Saturday which moves Ross Stripling to the bullpen we know that Nate Pearson's on his way back so there's going to be a couple more I guess internal reinforcements coming to that bullpen so I it's just something that I think is interesting to monitor as much as we're not really concerned about it is that it's just it's becoming more noticeable there's a couple of hiccups here and there and the starting rotation has been status quo so it's just it's crazy to believe that at this point into the month of May pretty much everything going on with the team is the exact same as it was in April is that it's just being held back majorly by this one thing and you know just the longer it drags on it's obviously more frustrating whatnot but you know you it's just it hurts losing these divisional games. You know, you lose twice in two weeks to the Yankees. Like, this is a team who, if you go back to last year, as much as it's obviously a different year, is that the Jays performed really well against the Yankees last year. And you just, these are games or winnable games that you could have had, especially game one and especially a couple of those games last week, even though they got pretty much outplayed for majority of the game. And you can't really say otherwise because that's pretty much as what happened. And the Yankees have been the hottest team in baseball. But these are just games that you want to win you want to have the upper hand for you know it it is too early I guess to read everything by the standings but you know I just think that you don't want to fall too far behind and I think it's still way in reach I'm not saying it's completely done or whatever but you know you you just have the Rays now for the first time this season too it just concerns me a little bit because of their history at Tropicana Field I don't know what to expect this weekend I just something's got to give and that's all I'm just pretty much trying to say you mentioned how hot the Yankees have been I'm going to ask a question to you guys. Is this seven out of nine stretch only because they've been playing the Yankees? I mean, they've had now five of their last, what, nine games have been against the Yankees. 
is that the reason for this bad stretch? Can we chalk it up to that? And hopefully, you know, they go to Tampa Bay. Tampa's 19 and 13, so still a very good team, but not, you know, best record in baseball good. They play Seattle. They play Cincinnati. They play St. Louis. Will things get going then? Like, is this just something that we could chalk up to the Yankees? Or, unfortunately, is there more to it than that? See, if you're looking at it as a Yankee thing, and I know this is way too early to talk about this, but if you're in the playoffs, you're going to face the best teams. And, you know, say it is the Yankees or, you know, you're in the World Series, it's the Dodgers or whatever. You're going to face those teams that are good teams and they just kind of go on a roll. It's an interesting point to bring up because it's true. Like the entire season, they've just had good opponents minus Cleveland and uh, you know, the first two series, Oakland and Texas, neither of them are very good teams or were very good teams uh, at the time. But I don't know. I think that the Yankees are having a like randomly and ridiculously good stretch right now. I guess you can look at it that way. But at the same time, if you still have to match teams like that, I think is is the best way to de- to put, to describe it. You're going to face the good teams all season long. And when you get to that final, what is it, 14 now or whatever it is, when you get to those final teams, it's 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 not going to be a team that's, that's bad or that's under 500. Like, it's going to be the best team. So, at least, you know, they've won. They've, they've proven that they can win against good teams most of the season so far. Just a little concerned that this patch has kind of shed light on the weaknesses of the team. And, hey, at least now they have the knowledge of what they need to work on. Let's hope this series against the Rays goes a lot differently, and who knows? Maybe you are 100% right on that. I definitely do think it's part of it. I mean, you can't rule out that you've been playing the hottest team in baseball for the past couple of weeks. The very first series of the year uh, at Yankee Stadium, it was a four-game series that they split. We all know the the next time the Jays saw them in Toronto— was a much different team. That was before the Yankees caught fire. We see, we saw, if you want to compare the schedules, the Yankees had a lot of easier matchups. They had the Royals, they had the Orioles, probably maybe one of the factors for them getting going, you know, you're not seeing the greatest pitching. You're seeing some good pitching uh, because obviously a couple, every team's got at least a couple good pitchers. But all I'm saying is that's probably another reason for their momentum boost or kind of where it started for them. The Jays, on the other hand, we know what they had in April and you're running into the hottest team in baseball twice in a matter of two weeks, probably a, a definitely a factor, but it's not the main factor. I mean, you, you lose a series in Cleveland that you thought, I guess, everyone going into that they were going to at least, at worst, split, but I think everyone was expecting a series win as well after that. So as much as that's the case, you've still, you know, there's still winnable games that they these guys had against teams like the Guardians and then uh, maybe a couple of series before that that you probably could have won. And, you know, that's that's what I think. I think there's just a lot of factors going on here. And then I, w- I do want to say one thing, too, from game one, is that the stuff that they went through that game, that was a complete disaster uh, by Major League Baseball's umpires. I mean, I don't know what that was. There, There's a lot going on in terms of that. You know, the impact that probably can have on a clubhouse or kind of in someone's head is probably a along like it's probably a lot and it's probably a big impact I mean somebody like Jimmy Garcia gets thrown out for most likely I mean I think without a doubt we can all say that was not an intentional pitch at Josh Donaldson as well Josh Donaldson out of anybody on that lineup card I don't think you're hitting him intentionally as well in a tie game in the later innings 
you see ejections without warnings. You see Charlie Montoya ejected after that. Just a lot going on behind this, or I shouldn't even say behind the scenes, but there was a lot going on in front of you that was really out of your control. So as much as the Jays should have had that game, as much as you blew it later in the game, there there was that incident throughout the middle part of the game where I think maybe that had a little bit of an impact. I don't know entirely how much it did, but I do think, you know, going back to your question mark, it's got to have some sort of an impact that you ran into the hottest team. And the Jays are going to have pretty much run into them. I think the next part or the next time they do would be in the middle of June. So until then, we know that the schedule is going to kind of balance out throughout the next couple of weeks. You have the Cincinnati Reds. I think you're playing, you know, just easier teams on paper. You think you're, you know, I think you are seeing the White Sox. You're seeing the Twins. So these are all teams that are still fairly good, but. You know, it's not, I guess, compared to seeing the Astros twice, the Red Sox twice, the Yankees three times. Like, it's just insane the amount of divisional games that you've had to start off the season. And then, of course, the good teams that you've played. So they're going to have an opportunity to get going even after this weekend against the Rays. It's just that eventually, you know, I think I think it would be ideal that the next time the Jays do see the Yankees, we are past these issues and we are kind of expecting a little bit of a better outcome for them. I think the Jays also see the Orioles the series before that. So they're going to have their opportunities to get going as well. And this is what the Yankees had in April. You had the Royals. You had the Orioles a couple of times. Part of the reason probably for them to get going, the Jays are going to see that. And they've been seeing tough pitching throughout the entire course of the season. You mentioned the teams they played. They all have good pitching staffs for the most part besides a couple teams. You know, the Red Sox, I guess, are one team that are lacking – that lack pitching right now, but the Astros have good pitching. The Yankees have a couple good hard hit or hard throwing righties. I mean, Luis Severino, prime example from game one, you get to Luis Severino in the first inning, you're kind of getting the feeling that it's going to be a long game in terms of for him, which would be good for the offense because he was inefficient. He was throwing a lot of pitches early, but he managed to get through to almost five innings. And that's what I was kind of talking about. You get out early and all of a sudden in the middle of the innings, things completely die down. And that's all you see in terms of action. So, as much as that's the case, you've, you've also been seeing good pitching throughout all of your opponents throughout the month of April and May. And um, eventually it is going to balance out throughout the next course, I guess the course of the next couple of weeks. So there's, there's a lot of factors behind the skid. We know this. The main one is obviously being 30th with runners at scoring position. But part of it is definitely playing the Yankees twice in two weeks, and they've been the hottest team in baseball. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you, and not with Jacob, to be honest, that... Uh... <laughs> the Yankees are a big part of it. Obviously, not all of it, as you mentioned. Runners in scoring position. They were playing Cleveland, and they couldn't get something done against the Guardians. But, I mean, the Yankees aren't just a good team. They are scalding hot right now. They have the best record in baseball. They went on a 11-game winning streak. They have won eight of their last ten. Teams don't come hotter than the Yankees right now. And the Blue Jays, on the other hand, are at a position of vulnerability. The offense has never really gotten going this season. The starting pitching is being strung along and strung along and trying to do the most it can. But eventually, something has to give. And if it's not going to be the offense, it's going to be the starting pitching. So, I think part of it is the fact that the Blue Jays have faced a team that is out of this world right now in the Yankees. Not all of it, but I think that's part of the conversation. Um... I guess just to wrap it up, we have to talk about the umpires. I, There's nothing we can add to this conversation. Everyone saw what went on, and everyone knows that it was BS. And 
there I I don't know. There's not much more to it. I think the biggest tell of the fact that it's BS is that Charlie Montoyo was not suspended a game for having his pitcher ejected for hitting a batter. Um, that's common protocol, common um, way things go in Major League Baseball. That didn't happen, and I think if anything, that is a glowing indication of how suspect Tuesday's game was and the decisions by the umpires. So everything that's already going to be said on this topic has already been said, but uh, yeah, it was BS. The worst part is, is robot umpires won't even fix that problem. Like robot umpires will fix the strike zone, but man, it the fact that you can consistently be this wrong on so many occasions and this is a judgment. This is youth just like assuming that because Josh Donaldson and Tyler Heideman had like a cat fight two hours earlier that the Blue Jays want to intentionally hit him. And it's like, I would just, I, it's, it's head scratching. It's, it's ridiculous. I think. And like you said, Charlie Montoyo, he's, he was in today's game. If I'm the umpire, I'm thinking, Jesus, like how bad of a call did I actually make in this situation? And, I don't know if it was on this podcast that we said it or if I was listening to it on a different channel, but I heard somebody say that in a certain soccer league, I think it's like MLS or something like that. Like Premier if league, a referee yeah. makes, yeah, if if a referee is bad, they get like demoted to a different league. I don't know why Major League Baseball hasn't at least considered this and at this point adopted that because or or some type of punishment, like whether it's that or as Actually, yes, this was on our podcast because I remember bringing this up right after it, whether it's having the umpires give like a press conference after it, say like, why did you make this call or like go back and tell us how you were thinking during this, this play or whatever, like do something to improve the officiating of a billion dollar industry. Like, I'm not saying that we need to have people bet on the games and be like, oh, well, the umpires are ruining my, my over under on this. Like. No, I'm just a fan that wants to see a team play fairly. And if the Blue Jays are going to lose, I'd rather them lose because they got beat and not because the umpires don't know how to call a game. And that's all I really say there because it's, you know, I'm sure we'll have this this situation in the future, whether it's arguing uh, and complaining about balls and strikes and uh, it'll happen. I guarantee it. But last thing I'll say, why is your first response to just eject somebody the second anything happens? Like... I get it if the umpires or the the managers or or a player is is over the top with what they're saying, but just like arguing or saying like, "Hey, why did you do that to my player?" should not mean ejection. It's to me that's just wrong. Yeah, and that's where I was going to go with it is that because there's only so much you can talk about the actual, I guess, what happened, and there really isn't any other counter argument you can make other than it was BS. Like I don't see how. Anyone's really arguing that. I think if you ask any Yankee fan what was going on too, they'd probably say pointless ejection. Why would you try and hit Josh Donaldson in a tie game? It just, it just nothing about it makes sense. And but what I was gonna go at it or kind of go with it is what you did, Jacob. Is that it's just umpires need to be held accountable. I I don't know what else there is to say about that. And it was Mark who brought up the idea or kind of mentioned the soccer thing. And I I love the idea. I mean, I just think. You got to be held accountable for it. And, you know, at the end of the day, too, is that these guys, or I should say us fans who go to these games and spend money to go to the game, 
We're not there to watch Cowboy Joe West. We're not there to watch <laughs> Jeff Nelson. We're not there to watch Angel Hernandez. Like I can go on and on about umpires who have, you know, in terms of a reputation, not the greatest one. Ron Culpa, another one. You know, I don't even know the guy, the crew chief that ejected Charlie Montoyo in game one. I can't even remember his name. What does that tell you about how much we care about umpires going to the game? With all due respect, I know it could be a hard job, and I know, you know, all the if ands or buts but we're not there to watch umpires and it just seems that they love finding their way to make their moment to have their moment there was another incident it wasn't with the jays but it was within baseball last week i can't remember the umpire's name but it was with madison bumgarner you know checking for sticky stuff at the end of the inning wasn't even looking at him looking straight at his eyes waiting waiting for a reaction and this is the same umpire who had the same incident with jose bautista a couple years ago I don't remember the exact year, but it was also a thing where he just, I think it was at the end of, just a strikeout at the end of the inning, you know, changing positions, going into the field, a complete stare down, just waiting for him to act in any sort of way to give him a reason to eject you from the game. We're not there to watch umpires. Stop trying to have your own moments and pretty much ruin the game in terms of it being fun. I mean, that took a, it took a lot away from game one. I don't know if it would have changed the outcome of the game. But it definitely had some sort of impact on it. I mean, you completely change your plans. You lose Jimmy Garcia after one pitch. You have to go to your bullpen again. It's just a ripple effect that happens. But it just it really does tell you, especially a league like Major League Baseball, who doesn't have the greatest reputation, we all know that, the fact that they didn't even suspend Charlie Montoyo, like, what does that tell you? And that is standard protocol in terms of being ejected after your own pitcher gets ejected for throwing at somebody. That wasn't the case today umpires need to be held accountable and I don't really think there's any other argument that you can make and really nothing further to add other than that yeah I don't think I think the Blue Jays still lose this game without all the umpire shenanigans I don't think like those are two separate events that as tough as it may be we do have to separate and I know people are I think kind of confusing the two things confusing complaints about the umpires with the fact that what happened in the ninth inning is entirely Jordan Romano's fault, to be honest. I think they're two separate things, and the Blue Jays lose that game regardless. But, man, I mean, it is an unbelievable double standard um, to be watching this game and to read the quotes from the umpires after the game. To be clear, umpires, or at least the crew chief, is sometimes available for comment after games. So I was listening to Blair and Barker and Jeff Blair, obviously covering the Blue Jays and the Expos for a good amount of his career. He said that, yes, it's usually a guy from the wire service who goes down and gets the umpire after a controversial decision is made. Um, But it is totally different than the level of accountability that players are held to, the level of accountability that front office staff and managers and coaches are held to. Um, it's one player with or one reporter with a recorder as opposed to a camera and a press scrum and it's just a total different level of accountability anyways back on track talking about the double standard um a quote given by the crew chief Alonzo Marquez on the decision to toss Jimmy Garcia said quote given all the situations up to that specific moment talking about the Josh Donaldson Tyler Heineman stuff we just deemed it intentional And when that happens, we have to inject and or give warnings, but we have felt ejection was the way to go. Compare this to what happened soon after when Bo Bichette was met with chin music from Jonathan Loisica. The umpires, in response to why they didn't toss Loisica 
after warnings were given to both benches, they said that was the reason for no action taken. It wasn't deemed intentional. It was just a pitch inside, which they can still do pitch inside all they want. It's just such a glaring double standard, especially after Jimmy Garcia threw a pitch up and inside to Josh Donaldson, got it for a strike, and was going back there with the second pitch. I, It's an unbelievable double standard, and I can't agree it. And I, I, I can't believe it happened. Uh, or I guess I can believe it, given the state of umpiring in Major League Baseball right now. But um, yeah, I guess the last thing I'll say is you know, the test of a good umpire is whether you know their name or not. If you know their name, they're a terrible umpire. And Alonzo Marquez is slowly making his way up the list as an umpire that we all know the name of. And Dan Bellino, Madison Bumgarner, that guy, Dan Bellino is certainly on the list now. I just, yeah, it's getting me riled up. I don't want to talk about it, but it, geez, it is, uh, it's something else. It's actually really funny that you said the more you know an umpire, the worse they are. Like, as an umpire, you do not want to be known. Like, you want to j- just sit there and call a game, and it's it, it's it's not fair if you're just consistently allowed to make these calls. And, okay, fine. If you're making a bad call one time, that's on you. But if it's consistent and it's league-wide, I think that's more on the league at this point. Like... Yeah, there's only so much you can do. You you can't say, like, don't eject umpires or, or don't eject managers unless they say, like, a bad word or something. Like, it's not like the league can institute that type of rule, but I just, <laughs> I, uh, it's on the league now at this point. Like, you cannot have umpires misrepresenting baseball and then just getting away with it. It, it, it can't happen, and that reason that you brought up about why Garcia was thrown out, but uh, the, uh, the the Yankees pitcher wasn't. You can throw inside. You can also hit a pitcher or hit a batter. Like, there's, you can throw it to a fan. Like, there's a million things you can do. But throwing it up and in, it was, it was a fastball, if I'm not mistaken. Like, it wasn't a curveball that just was let loose by accident. Like, you don't get it up there, up and in on a righty, without intentionally doing that. And so, or at least to some extent intentionally doing it so at least he didn't hit Bichette didn't hit him smack in the head which could have you know been disastrous and that would have definitely been a bench clearing brawl but thankfully that didn't happen unfortunately the umpires just miscalled it can't happen anymore I, I think it's it's more on the league now like yeah the umpires need to be better but they've proven that they're not at least going to attempt to be better so it's got to be on the league from from my perspective yeah, I'm just trying to think other umpires that I know of, which have historically been brutal. Did we um, mention Vic Carapaza? He's ah, one. He's there was Jim Wolf. That's another one. One guy around, I guess, all of baseball, and he's very famous for taking away some. The I can't remember his name on Detroit. His no hitter, Jim Joyce. I know he retired, but tons of names, tons of names out there. I'm sure there's a couple others that I'm missing. Dale but Scott. yeah. Dale Scott, that's another he's the, one. No, he's the only, I was going to say, he's, he's the only one. good umpire. Yeah. He's yeah. the only umpire that I know that's good and that I actually know his name. So I'll yeah, give him that's true. credit In there. terms of being known by names, yeah. So there's lots. I mean, I just, yeah, it sucks. And I think that, well, obviously, what happened with Bichette, the Jays weren't mad at that. They were just looking at the umpire saying, you know, double standard, what you were saying, Mark. You know, you can make the argument that both 
pitchers, I guess both pitchers to Donaldson and Bichette were just as intentional as they were. Like they both had the same meaning and that wasn't to hit him. That was just to go inside. And it also comes afterward where Jimmy Garcia and even into today was complaining about the state of the baseballs and not being able to grip the ball. I know it's, you don't want to use that as a complete excuse for what happened with his outing, but it's also been known throughout the game. We had a discussion about it with Alec Manoa on the weekend at Cleveland. He had the same thing. Clearly, Pitchers aren't having the best grip with baseballs this year. I think it's pretty well known throughout the game. I don't think Jimmy Garcia is lying, and I don't think you're trying to hit Josh Donaldson again out of all people in that Yankees lineup in a tie game. It just nothing about it makes sense. So, you know, when these umpires have the little meetups and the decision to, I guess, eject um, Jimmy Garcia in that moment, I truly wonder, like, what are the, like what are they discussing? I, I I have no idea. So I like what makes them because everyone else seems to get the call right at home. I mean, you look at it, no one make like I don't think I've seen anyone support the decision or say that was a good call. I I would just love to hear what was going on in that conversation at, at Yankee Stadium a couple of days ago because I feel like if we heard it, it would just be a new discovery for us and it would probably make it feel like we're watching two separate games, but either way it goes back to what we said it way at the beginning of this. I think umpires at this point need to be held accountable, and I think it's pretty fair, and I think it's pretty it's something that's gaining traction throughout the rest of, I guess, in terms of just baseball fans across. The only thing, the only thing that I can possibly conceive them talking about is whatever Josh Donaldson and Tyler Heineman said. And even then, you talk to Josh Donaldson after a game, there was a quote from him saying he didn't think it was intentional. If Josh Donaldson, the baddest mf -er on a baseball field, doesn't <laughs> think it, it's intentional and literally just walks down the first baseline after he gets hit, what are you doing? Why, if Josh Donaldson is not taking issue with it, why are you taking issue with it as an umpire? Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. And on that cheerful note, I think we'll end this podcast. But first... Quick series predictions for this three-game set against the Rays. Jacob, you go first. I'm in a rut. I've been way off the past two days, and you were actually the only one correct about this one, so you go first. <laughs> I love to be – no, I hate to be correct in that situation. <laughs> um, Three-gamer, you got Gosman, Ryu, and I'm assuming Manoa maybe in third game. I don't want – if they're going to win one game, I'd rather it be Sunday's game – but I have a feeling they lose two of three. It's wow. it's Tropicana Field. The offense is is drier than an empty can of Tropicana, so we'll have to see. <laughs> I'm right there with you, <laughs> two of three. Or like one of three winning. All right. I'll do it again. I say they win the series. Um, you, you know, you have the Wizard of Gauze on Friday. You have Alec Manoa on Sunday, who's probably pissed off after – you know, his, I guess, mediocre start in Cleveland or when he just battled. Saturday is the huge question mark because, again, if you're a Jays fan and you think you know what you're getting out of Hunter and Ryu, you're lying to yourself. We're at the point where we don't know what we're getting out of him. He's back. He is supposedly healthy. I, don't, I, I guess we'll wait to find out. But, you know, the Hunter and Ryu experience is always kind of a treat. So we'll see what happens with that. But you got Gosman and Manoa Friday, Sunday. As much as they can hit, the pitching has been carrying this team in terms of winning games and I guess all around. I guess that's the one thing that's going to remain constant in my opinion this series. We'll see. One of these days you'll be right. 
one of these days they'll actually be I was I was I was right before the Guardian series I remember but yeah I'm just I'm very optimistic I guess even though it's hard to be right now that makes one of us um okay well we'll see what happens uh Blue Jays not doing well right now um as always you can find us on social media that's at section 138 pod you can support our podcast by giving us a rating and review on your favorite podcatcher, especially Apple Podcast and Spotify, which recently lost uh, launched its own rating system. And as a final note to end this podcast on, we have an exciting announcement coming over the next couple days. So make sure to stay tuned to our social media so you don't miss that. And with that, looking forward to this series against the Rays. Can't get any worse. We'll catch you then. Got no cigarettes, I've two hours of pushing room eyes and eight for twelve four bit room. I'm a man of means by no means, king of the road.